You're listening to the Upper Room Podcast. To learn more about your Frisco, please visit UpperRoomFrisco.com. So uh, at Upper Room, we minister to God morning, noon, and night through worship and prayer, and we experience his presence transforming our lives. Um, and last week, I, I gave a, a, a teaching about three different ways or three um, realms in which we encounter God and grow in our knowledge of God. Were you guys here? Anybody here for that? Did you listen to the podcast? It was called The Three-Legged Stool. And these are the three legs of the stool upon which our knowledge of God rests. It's, it's basically a, the stool that supports our theology. And it's scripture, experience, and tradition. And uh, just to unpack these again real quick, I'm just going to do a quick review before we jump into really talking more about experiencing God and encounters with God tonight. Um, so our understanding of God needs to rest on these three things. And I gave just a cursory unpacking of them last week. Um, and these, these legs are interdependent. They rely on one another and they're also like checks and balances for one another. So um, the tradition leg is church doctrine that's been passed down to us through trusted, peer-reviewed theological voices, ecumenical councils, creeds, patristics, early church fathers, and the fellowship of the saints. So it's very church-centered because God created the church to be the one through which he would disseminate knowledge of the holy and, and how to live in the kingdom. And so that's one of the legs. And we have a, just a beautiful church tradition. We have incredible doctrines that you can read. Um, Ashley kind of said it like this. If we love Jesus, we should be kind of obsessed with reading everything that everyone wrote about him. So it's not just, obviously the apostles, the disciples wrote the New Testament, but they had disciples and their disciples had disciples. And you can look up all these these writings of people who were so close to Jesus. And then you can read what the the Council of Nicaea was all about. And you can read the, the Apostles' Creed and it's just, it's just beautiful. It's one of the legs upon which our understanding of God rests, which is also 100% dependent on Scripture and experience. And so Scripture is obviously our reading of Scripture, our ability to interpret Scripture and growing in interpretive skills and our understanding. It means that we study. We study to show ourselves approved. This is kind of like when Paul's talking to, t- to Timothy study to show yourself approved. Don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but set an example for all believers in speech and life and love and faith and impurity. And until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to preaching and to teaching. Watch yourself and your doctrine closely because if you do, you'll save both yourself and your hearers. And that's 1 Timothy 4.11 through something. Um, so... Um, Tonight, I wanted to major on just talking about ways that we experience God, because our experiences with God should line up with Scripture and should line up with church tradition, and um, I think it's really important for us to obviously uh, know Scripture better than anyone else in history. We have this incredible book of stories of people encountering God, and we should know it really, really well. But I want to say this. Um, scripture is authoritative. It's God-breathed, and it's useful. 
Every prophecy of scripture didn't have its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as the Holy Spirit carried them along. That's 2 Peter 1.21. But here's the thing, and this is why experiencing God is so important. The people who knew the book best didn't recognize God himself when he showed up. And today, that spirit of the Pharisee lives on, and there are people who have memorized the book and marginalized the spirit. We don't follow a manual, we follow Emmanuel. <laughs> Hang with me. <clears throat> but following Emmanuel shouldn't contradict the manual. Are you, are you with me? Okay. <laughs> um, you know, we can make the Bible say just about anything that we want if we want to bend it to our interpretation or bend it to our will. You know that the, the, wor- the, the scripture has been used to wage wars and marginalize women. And uh, I mean, there's, it's, you can make the Bible say what you want, but you can't make Jesus or the Holy Spirit say anything that they don't want to say. Amen? Amen. Jesus says it like this in John 5. He's talking to the Pharisees and he says, You diligently search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, but these are they which testify of me, and yet you refuse to come to me that you would have life. So knowing scripture is so important. Knowing tradition is so important. But without encounter, Without experiencing the one that we're reading about, we're going to end up with a dead religion again. We're going to end up with a form of godliness that denies its power. The, it's, it's, it's crazy to think that the people who knew scriptures best didn't recognize God when he showed up. And, and he, Jesus didn't look anything like the God that they worshipped. This is why expectations is different than expectancy. See, the the Pharisees had expectations of God, and and Jesus, to be God, had to show up and meet those expectations, but Jesus didn't look anything like what they were expecting. And so they used Scripture, justified through Scripture, murdering God himself because he didn't look like the God they worshipped from Scripture. This is why experiencing God is so important. We need to create, in this church, instead of just make, talking ethereal concepts, in this church, we want to have a paradigm and expectancy for power, for miracles, for encounters, to experience the God that we love. Before there was church tradition and before there was scripture, there were people experiencing God. And the more open our eyes become, the more we will experience God in every moment in this life. The more we're able to do all things as unto him, the more we will experience him in all things. Some of y'all will love this, especially guys who love to barbecue. I have bitten into a perfectly cooked bite of steak 
invited God into that moment. And I, and I worshiped him. It was a worship moment that rivaled just about any other. I tasted and saw that God is good. Guys, we worship a God who invented taste buds and he didn't have to. We worship a God who created nerve endings and goosebumps and adrenaline. He didn't have to. He wanted us to really experience powerful moments in this life with him. All pleasures are actually meant to lead us into worship of him. Pleasures within the bounds of propriety, of course. So experience. You guys have heard of the gifts of the spirit. That phrase, gift of the spirit, is interchangeable with the word manifestations of the spirit because when we are demonstrating a gift from God, a supernatural gift from God, we are actually manifesting God. And so... um, when we're manifesting God, you know, it's, it's, this is what happened to my heart in worship tonight. I'm, um, I'm down here, I'm beginning to, to just feel the weight of emotion and feeling God's presence. And I'm, um, we're singing, creator God, you are Yahweh, who is he who makes me happy, who is he who gives me peace. And I'm closing my eyes. And in this moment, I'm asking Jesus, where are you in this room? Where are you right now? And I was, I was thinking I would get like a vision of him like back here laying hands on people or dancing around and touching people with love and, and joy. But instead, um, I saw him with his arms wrapped around my stomach from behind. And he's whispering into my ear my identity. And I had a flashback from when I met Heidi Baker. Um, and it's a crazy story. I prayed like three days before I met her that I would meet her, and she wasn't even supposed to be in the room, but she walked in the room, walked over to me, wrapped her arms around my, me, my stomach from behind because I was on my hands and knees weeping into my Bible, and Heidi Baker whispers my identity to me, and I had a flashback of that moment tonight as I was sitting there. And then, and then the Lord started taking me to all these moments when a father put his arm around me, when a spiritual mentor hugged me, when my mom held me during a worship moment in church. And I'm going through all these memories, and the Lord is saying, that was me. That was me holding you. That was me speaking over you. That was me wrapping my arms of comfort around you. You don't know how much it can impact someone when you just walk up to them and wrap your arms around them, encourage them, attempt to prophesy over them. You don't understand that in that moment you are rightly representing the God of love. And it can be a moment that completely changes the the course of someone's life. So the Bible is a, a book of encounter, but it's an invitation book. It's a book of encounter inviting us into the same kinds of encounter. You guys ever get jealous of the people you're reading about in the, in, the, in the Bible? You're like, why couldn't I be on that mountain seeing God's glory pass before me like Moses? Or why couldn't I be Peter stepping out on the water and walking on water? And why couldn't I? I want to see how Jesus multiplied that food. I want to see how Jesus spoke into that coffin of the, the widow's you know, only son and raised him back to life. And 
I want to be there for all those moments. And, but you, what, what's so incredible about the time of history that we're living in is Jesus says, this is better right now than when he was walking the earth himself. He said, it's better that I go because you'll get the helper. You'll get the Holy Spirit, the promise of the Father. And you'll have a front row seat to my heart all of your days. You won't have to push through a crowd to hear a syllable of my voice. I'll be with you forever. So the Bible is a, is a book of encounters and it's an invitation into those same encounters. It's a book of miracles inviting us into greater miracles. It's a book of prophecy inviting us into discovering the fulfillment of those prophecies and to becoming prophetic people ourselves. I went to uh, this school of ministry that was insane. It was called Morningstar School of Ministry. There we go. There's one other guy. <clears throat> and uh, I, I didn't go there for the degree. I got a degree, but I didn't go there for the degree. That degree isn't, isn't worth like a free meal at Luby's. Um, I, I went there because the leaders were incredible. I, I wanted to be like those leaders. I wanted to prophesy like those prophets. I wanted to heal like those healers. You know, they're just cool guys with incredible stories. And, and so I went to this ministry school and it made me even more weird, which was great. Um, and <laughs> it made me even more free, which was great. Um, and I would, I would hear these incredible stories from these leaders, these prophets and healers. And, and um, eventually, like, I got... Um, I got sick of just hearing their stories, not because I didn't love their stories, but I was like, I don't want to spend the rest of my life telling someone else's stories. If it happened for them, it can happen for me. You guys know that Paul adjures us to earnestly desire to prophesy, earnestly desire the greater gifts. It's okay to actually desire encounter and to, to desire moving. In the, it's not selfish at all. It is the opposite of selfish. It's self-giving. So um, I started to desire to have the same kinds of stories and encounters myself. And so me and some friends decided we're going to do this crazy thing that I don't recommend, but we locked ourselves into a cabin that didn't have electricity because we were just going to pray in tongues until something cool happened. And <clears throat> I, was tw I was 21 years old. Why not? And, um, and so we did. The, the sun set as we're worshiping and, and singing in tongues and praying and you know, just getting excited about God and feeling his Holy Spirit. And there were waves of his spirit that would wash through this cabin and times of weeping, times of kneeling, times of dancing. And it was just me and, and a few friends. And then after, after the sunset, we had this moment where we all at the same time kind of stopped dancing, like got quiet, stopped praying. And, and, and I heard this sound. We all made the sound at the same time. We all went, whoa. And um, even though it was super dark, I could now see in the spirit. And it was, it was my friends and I, and we were like, we were rotating, we were spinning. Hang with me, I know it's weird. And we, we, it felt like we ascended. And as we ascended, we got closer together, kind of like an upside down toilet bowl flush. And then we were, and then we could see, we were in a, this beautiful um, banquet hall. 
huge with this enormous table that was like 50 yards long, just the, the longest table you can imagine, and it's filled with the most ornately designed um, breads and foods and candles and gold, and it's just, it's beautiful. It's like a, like a, a king's banquet hall. And we're all in this vision together, if you will. Some of y'all are looking at me like a cow at a new gate. Um, <laughs> like, <laughs> Visions are real, like our, our faith is founded on it. Trances are real. You wouldn't be here if Peter didn't have a trance. Okay, so. <laughs> I'm getting ahead of myself. But, so we're in this vision, and, and I start doubting it because I'm an American dude. And I'm like, this can't be real. Even though I'm, I'm walking around in this vision saying this can't be real. Like, and my friends are like looking at food and stuff. They're like, whoa, this is, oh, I could laugh, whoa. And I, so I decide I'm going to test the vision to see if it actually is real. And so I just point to a corner where I see this ornately designed lamp that was purple and gold. And I said, hey, what's over in that corner? And one of my friends says, I see this beautiful lamp. It's like gold and purple. And I'm like, What? we are totally in a biblical vision together. Like, this is crazy cool. And <clears throat> so anyway, this time comes where I, like, it, we all know at the same time we're supposed to go in, a, in different directions and um, go through these different doors. And I, so I go through the store, and when I, when I go through the store, I'm in the, the most enormous room. And it's like amoebic. There, uh, there's, um, there's no straight lines or corners. It's just like a vast kind of like gelatinous room the size of like several aircraft carriers. And I see all these babies stuck to the wall, you know, curled up in, in fetal position. And they're, they're all the way around the ceiling, walls, and floor. And I, and I hear like this internal thing say, it's the, it's the womb of heaven. These are the babies that are currently conceived about to be born on earth. And I can see um, from the outside of the womb, each baby has this silver cord and it's attached to the, the mother walking around on earth. And I, can see, I can, and I zoom in on this one mom, and I see her distraught, and she doesn't know what to do. I see fear. And she decides that she's going to abort this baby. And so the silver cord snaps and turns into like a, it just disintegrates, almost like it turns black and disintegrates. But the baby doesn't. This baby on the wall just gently like, erupts into this golden diamond dust powder cloud. And it's just hovering there. And the, the spirit of the baby goes to the Lord's arms. But this, this golden dust cloud hovers there. And I see a fast forward in the future. And the woman is pre- that same woman is pregnant again. And a baby forms on the wall of the womb of heaven. And the dust cloud settles on the baby. And I know that it's It's the anointings, the giftings, the callings, and the mantles. And I hear the Lord echo into this vision. The devil thinks he's accomplishing something through abortion, but I will birth a double portion generation on this earth. For my gifts and callings are irrevocable. And then the room shifts. And now it has walls and floors, but it's enormous, like the halls of Moria. And it's all these huge columns, just like in Lord of the Rings. I'm telling you that J.R.R. Tolkien had some visions. So anyway, um, 
I'm in this now this gigantic room, and I see this skinny, tall figure start walking towards me from a distance. And I just hear this voice. It was like my voice that said, oh my goodness, that's Jeremiah. My name's Jeremy, and I knew that the Lord was sending me my namesake, this prophet, Jeremiah. And he walks up to me, but his presence hits me before he gets super close to me. And I realize, like, he's fat in the anointing. It's the fatness that breaks the yoke. (laughs) And so when he walks up to me, I'm like, I'm like in his presence. I'm in the presence of Jeremiah. And he looks me in the eyes and says, Jeremy, I'm Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. And he looks me dead in the eyes. And my heart gets healed from, you know, all the pain that I experienced growing up being an emotional kid in the 80s and 90s. It's not easy for men back then. But <laughs> and so anyway, I get healed of like that, that shame of being an over-emotional kid. And then Jeremiah begins to tell me things about my destiny. And, um, and then I come out of the vision, and I, re- like, and I re- remember that I'm in this cabin without electricity. Like, I'm back here. <laughs> and then all my friends, like, they all kind of come to at the same time. And we're like, what in the world was that? And, like, we shared our stories of what God showed us. And to this day, this was, well, that was 16 years ago. To this day, those friends of mine will still say that was one of the most powerful moments of their whole life. So I drive home from that encounter, and I'm immediately doubting it because I'm an American dude. And I get back to my place, and um, I fall asleep, and I go into this dream. And in the dream... I'm renaming the streets of New Earth. I'm walking down streets and I'm coming up to road signs and I'm saying that's no longer Main Street, that's Brotherly Kindness, that's no longer whatever parkway, that's Perseverance Parkway, that's Brotherly Kindness Road and, and Love Way. And, and, and as I'm like renaming the streets, an angel would fly by me, knock down the old sign and put up what I named it. And then I heard the voice of the Lord say, I haven't shown you everything I wanted to show you about Jeremiah yet. And it was a voice of God that woke me up from the dream and I grabbed my Bible with my thumb against the pages and I flipped it open in front of me and I grabbed my cell phone and I used it like a light. My Bible had fallen open to Jeremiah 31. Verse 21 is where my light was hovering over where it says, set up road markers for yourself. Set up guideposts. Remember the way by which you went and return to me. So that was an open vision with multiple people that I came out doubting. God gave me a dream with scripture to confirm that it was real. But I also... um, He showed me also in Ecclesiastes where it says, um, remember God before the silver cord is snapped. He confirmed it again in scripture. And so what I'm saying is I've had this encounter with God that shaped my life in a dramatic way. And he was so kind that even in the midst of my doubting, he would confirm it as a real experience through dream and scripture. It's important that we don't get off the rails when it comes to encounters. 
Encounters are incredibly important. Experiencing God is incredibly important. But our encounters shouldn't ever get us to the point where we're contradicting Scripture. It should never get us to the point where we're departing from sound doctrine and, and the traditions handed down within our faith. You guys with me on that? Okay. I have so many stories I wanted to jump into, but I also, you know, it's, it's almost 7 o'clock, so why don't I save... Um, these stories, um, gosh, there's so many of them. <sighs> Here's one more, um, just real quick. I have three friends, they live in a house together, and these three women, they're all very um, spiritually aware and love the Lord, and, um, and they also are kind of like seers. They're very prophetic. And so they noticed... Um, a spiritual being by the front door, and they all realized it was there, and it was an angel. And they, um, they were like, all right, Lord, uh, thank you for this guardian angel, or whatever this angel is here for. And, but then they're like, well, why, I mean, shouldn't we find out its name and why he's here? And they're like, why not? I mean, there's nothing in the Bible that says you can't know an angel's name. And so <laughs> they find out that his name is Charles. They, they all realize it's either Chuck or Charles, and um, the angel just hangs out by their front door. Well, one of the girls goes on an extreme mission trip to, um, uh, yeah, China and Muslim nations that are hostile towards Christianity. She goes by herself. The Holy Spirit just tells her, I don't recommend this. So anyway, <laughs> she's, she's traveling about, and she ends up in this, um, you know, broke down old hotel. Um, she hears, uh, she just feels really unsafe. They, they like, kind of know she's a Christian, and she hears just signs of violence in the evening, and she gets really scared, and she's praying. Well, her two friends back at her home in Louisville, they feel like God is saying, I want you to send Charles to her. And they say, well, I mean, we've never done this, but they say, all right, Charles, we feel like God wants you to go to our friend, you know, wherever she is right now. They don't know that their friend is terrified in this Muslim nation in a hotel alone at this very moment. But they get a phone call from her, and she says, hey, what's Charles doing here? (laughs) Thank you for sending him. Pretty cool. I saw, uh, I've seen my own angel one time. He looks like me, only with a much more perfect face. Um, uh, you know when Peter was in jail and the angels, he, he busted out of jail like through supernatural means and he comes knocking on the, the door at night and the, the girl answers the door and runs in and says, hey, Peter's here. And they're like, no, nah, it's probably just his angel. Because they assumed that his angel looked like him. Um, so many. Lord, thank you so much that we get to encounter you. Thank you so much for the power of scripture, this incredible book that you've given us. Thank you for tradition that we have passed down. Thank you, God, that you have entrusted to reliable men your truths, and you continue to do so. God, I ask that in this room, we would be students of the word. We would understand why we believe what we believe, and we would encounter you in the midst of our belief in you. 
in Jesus' name. Amen.